It is Marawa Sports Worldwide. Good evening and welcome to the show. If you've just joined us, you've missed out on all the top stories, but the most important story is what we're about to venture into. I can tell you that the WhatsApp voice note number is and will remain two options that you have at your disposal. It is 060-7080484-060-584-2250-060-584-2250. You can use the hashtag MSW if you're going to be asking any questions, making any comments on any of the social media platforms because uh, this is about interaction mostly from you. Uh, I'll initially drive, um, you know, just to lay the foundation, but I just think that whatever has been happening in and around cricket has been so disturbing, has been going on for so long uh, that, yes, if it was a telenovela, we'll be sick and tired. We would be because I would want to watch cricket not read about the administration of cricket. That's what I would want. Because the administrators are not even entertaining. We are absolutely bored out of our minds, irritated of our minds, because if you can't administer, yes, and you need a minister to try and tell you how to do your work, yeah, I could have a comeback for that, but... Let me be respectful, just for two seconds. And the thing is, the troubles within South African cricket structures seem to be far from over. And that's the disturbing thing for me. If you cast your mind back with the Minister Natim Tatra last year, putting together that interim board uh, for Cricket South Africa, that process has not been without drama. It's almost like they needed the bull ring for these administrators to try and draw a crowd because that's just how much drama they've been having. I mean, at first, the members' council shocked us all. I mean, they, they, they said they did not approve of the board. This is the members' council. They don't approve of that board. Then after an agreement was reached, the previous chair had to step down. There was a lot of controversy. You know the clip that was played you know what he said. So we don't delve too much in that. That has happened. We've moved on. And it was then that Dr. Stavros Nikolaou was roped in. So being roped in now to try and steady the ship, sailing through all of these stormy seas. Now, his latest challenge is that standoff between the interim board as well as the members' council. Again. And that's regarding the proposal to amend CSA's constitution. What do they think they were there for? Selling ice cream? I don't know. But again, there's a standoff. Now, the situation has become so intense that the Cricketers Union have even voiced their displeasure at the goings-on now. I mean, they've placed South African cricket at the brink of a collapse. Not that it hasn't already. And tonight on the Chairman's Chair, we're going to be talking to Dr. Nicolau uh, to find out if there is a solution to this impasse and so much more that we need to find out. Doc, thank you so much for your time. Uh, he is the CSA Interim Board Chairman. It's a busy time for you, but I know that equally so, you've taken time to chat to us here on Marawa Sports Worldwide. Good evening.
Dr. Nicola, I'm not sure if you can hear me. All right, we're going to try and get him back on the line. Um, it looks like he has disappeared. Um, but, yeah, go absolutely nowhere. Like I say, there have been so many back and forth, and there's been hope. We got to a stage where we thought there was a meeting of minds, but I don't think that there was. I don't even think we were very close to that. Um, CSA Interim Board Chairman Dr. Nicolau is and should be back on the line. Doc, thank you so much for your time. Good evening. Robert, good evening, and and thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I'm not happy with that line, Doc. For whatever reason, I'm I'm, I'm hearing as if you are somewhere in Mogadishu. Is that and, uh, is that a lot an better? Echo. Is that better? Are you on a speakerphone? I'm actually not. Oh, is that better? Can you hear me? All right, it's, it's sounding much better. Whatever you've just done, Doc, uh, if we could stick to that, that'll be great for yeah. the uh, radio quality of what we're trying to do. I was yeah. just uh, thanking you in the midst of all that you are up against. And as a doc and as somebody who's in the front line of, of vaccinations and so on, and, and the other life that you lead and cricket on the other side, I, I really thank you for the time you've afforded us. No, thanks, uh, Robert, for having me on your program. I'm, I'm going to try and juggle this in between some vaccine discussions. So I'll do, I'll do my best. Yeah, that, that's why I decided I'd put that forward. And, and maybe that was the reverberations that were coming through from your other webinar that's, uh, that's happening right now. But we do understand that on both sides, we want a nation to be vaccinated. You hold the keys to that in a big way. Uh, but we also need a, a vaccine for cricket. And it, it, it looks like you've been put in a very inevitable position here, Doc, uh, to try and find sanity. We're not finding each other. There's a big impasse that I alluded to just now. Where exactly would you pinpoint the problem to be, and is it solvable? So, Robert, I think it's not really that much of an issue for me. It's a, it's a fairly clear-cut matter. Um, the ministers appointed this interim board uh, with a very clear mandate. There are nine points that constitute the mandate. We've got a finite period of time in which to deliver on that mandate. We've made significant progress. In, in many of the areas that we've been mandated, um, there are some outstanding matters. One of them is a material matter that we still need to conclude, and that is uh, amend the memorandum of incorporation to bring it in line with the Nicholson recommendations and also at the same time to modernise governance in cricket. So it's a fairly clear-cut, it's a fairly clear-cut mandate. Um, we've made progress. We have one material issue outstanding, and that's where we sit presently. We will obviously do our best to conclude on this material issue and place cricket on an appropriate uh, pathway of governance. Doc, of the nine points that you talk about to deliver the mandate, how many would you say numerically have you ticked? We've, we've ticked six. Good progress on two other ones. And then, of course, the one that I'm referring to, which is a Nicholson recommendation, I think your viewers would all have seen and read in the press what is happening with that. Why is it that that Nicholson report, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Judge Chris Nicholson sat in 2012 um, uh, and, and presided over that and, and, and gave his recommendations actually in 2012, much of which have just largely been ignored, um, because as... 
the then Judge Jacob was in office and just before he left, he talked about you can never have two centers of power in one organization. So why is there resistance from what you can see, especially from the members' council? There's uh, two fundamental issues that we need to address in, in restoring governance and modernizing governance in cricket. The first is the concept, the well-established and globally and domestically accepted concept and principle of an independent majority board. So that's the first thing. The second is that the board should be chaired by an independent uh, chairman. Those are two core tenets of governance anywhere in the world. They're included in, in Nicholson. Nicholson is explicit in setting out an independent majority board. And I'm afraid we can't achieve this particular point of the, of the mandate that we were given. It's actually the first point. We cannot achieve it if there's not an acceptance by the Members' Council of an independent majority board. In fact, it's an indefensible position. Um, no one can defend in this day and age the, the, uh, a principle where you have non-independence running a board. They would be conflicted. It's a well-accepted principle, and that's what we need to get over the line. And, and obviously, that, that is an important point, Doug, because before the intervention, more than half of the directors on the board were also on the members' council, and like you rightfully said in your last sentence, that is a clear conflict of interest. Now, can't then the people within the members' council see this, or is it because of selfish reasons that they want to hold on to this or cling on to this power that they have right now? It's, a, it's very difficult to work out what's going on in, a, in their minds, of course, and I don't want to uh, attempt to do that. All, all I'm saying is that right now, the, the, the same members' council that we are speaking of have known about Nicholson for, for eight or nine years. There have been various attempts to compromise on fundamental governance principles. They haven't worked because we are still discussing this nine years down the line. So I don't want to speculate what's in their minds, but what I can say, and I've said this openly about them, is that they find themselves on the wrong side of history at the moment. They can, uh, they can rethink this thing and get onto the right side. And the right side is accepting uh, a majority independent board, which is exactly what governance anywhere in the world, including in our own country, requires. So they should get onto the right side of history, I think, is a message that we want to leave here. But what does it take for them? What does it take for you? What does it take for the interim board to move them into the right side of history? Because the reason why I say this again, Doc, and, and, and for no failure of trying to you know, sound repetitive, is that we're going to end up running out of ministers of sport to try and shed some light in cricket. We had the former minister Mbadula who set up the Judge Nicholson um, commission who came up with the recommendations completely ignored. You've got a new minister now, Minister Natim Tetra comes and sets up the interim board, and that in the main has had to be pushed back, you know, uh, and pushed back and pushed back so often that there is more extensions than there are outcomes. So I think very simply, um, this is a mandate uh, provided to us by the minister. Um, we've reported back to the minister that we've gone through a process. The members' council at this point in time constitutes 14 affiliates. 
Eight of those have voted against the majority independent board, and five have voted in favour, and one is seeking a, a type of a middle road. So it's, a, it's now up to the minister. The ball's in the minister's court. Uh, he's steadfast on what he wants. We'll have a joint meeting between the members' council, the interim board, and the minister imminently. And I think the, the ball's in the minister's court now. Um, I'm afraid if the members' council don't accept this, they'll be letting down uh, the entire nation. The minister represents 60 million people. He's not just representing a cricket constituency. It's a lot broader than that. And uh, we've got to recognize that these poor decisions and poor judgment mm. is what has affected the game. Um, it's led to governance failures, and it's led, it's led to a dilution of our international standing in cricket. So the ball will be back in the minister's court now, and I'm hoping between now and when we meet the minister that the members' council, certainly those eight members that have uh, voted against um, this majority independent board, I'm hoping that we can get, I'm hoping that we can get some type of resolution with those eight members or affiliates before we meet the minister. All right, uh, Doc, let me take a quick break. We'll come back and continue our discussion. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Marawa Sports Worldwide. We are in the middle of a conversation, a very important one here with the CSA Interim Board Chairman, uh, Dr. Stavros Nikolaou, uh, who's uh, taken his time, and I know that it's a very busy period and time for him, having to conduct issues on two sides of very crucial uh, conversations in South Africa. Uh, but right now, though, we deal with the issue around the Interim Board, the kind of pressures that they're currently going through. And, Doc, just to maybe put forward a very simple question is that, the mandate that was given by the minister to yourselves, is, is that a mandate that you look at and you say it is fair and is it realistic outside of the issue of the MOI? Robert, I, I think it's certainly fair and, and realistic, but more importantly, it, it's absolutely necessary. Either we're going to take the high road in cricket and we're going to re- restore the credibility and reputation and international standing and move the administrators, uh, board members, members' council out of the headlines and rather focus on the proper headlines, which should be about the players and things like uh, the recent uh, uh, two, two white ball series victories by, by our uh, women's cricket team in India. That should be the headline. Mm. So either we take a high road here and we implement these nine points, and that's why this board is so resolute on implementing these nine points because it's what cricket deserves, it's what the nation deserves, and it's what South Africa's international standing deserves. So that's the high road for me, and that speaks to the the nine-point mandate. Uh, If we don't execute on many of these points, fortunately we've made good progress, but if we don't execute on this point that we've been discussing in detail this evening, which is to to establish a governance framework that is both sustainable, effective, and efficient for cricket. If we don't achieve that, I'm afraid we'll be on the low road. And I think the low road ends at a point in time. You know, there's not even a a, a T-junction that you face. I think you go off the cliff eventually. So there's no T-junction to turn left or right. You go off the cliff. The low road is unacceptable and untenable, and we have to make certain that we 
meet all our all our commitments as a board, particularly this one that we've been discussing around an independent majority board. And we've seen that, and that's what worries me, Doc, is that the interests of the members' council versus that of the board, um, it, it can't be, for example, commercial. Um, one has got to be that center of power that holds their political power within cricket uh, to make all sorts of things happen for their own individual interests. Because we've seen now, like the commercial entities that have been falling away, pulling away from the game, turning their backs towards cricket, that can't be good for sustaining a, a sport or a game like cricket in South Africa long term. Now, if you have to divide the two, commercial interest versus the political interest of members. How would you explain that to South Africans that are listening now and very concerned about the commercial entities? Robert, the easiest way for me to explain this is that cricket is not only owned by cricketers. They are very important and integral part of it. But cricket at the end of the day is a national sport in our country. It's owned by the citizenry and the populace. Um, Cricket involves... The, the, the game, the sporting code, it also involves education. There's a, there's a commercial aspect to that. There's a corporate social aspect to it. There are many different facets to cricket. And we, we cannot just look at this in, in isolation and say, well, it's only just about the, the sporting code. Um, unfortunately, in this day and age, it, it's a lot wider than that. And that's what I think the average, uh, cricket-loving fan out there and the average South African citizen needs to look at. And we rely on the citizenry of this country to to hold uh, cricket to account and to say, look, you guys are spending far too much time bickering and debating issues that are not in the broader interest of either the citizenry nor the country. And I think that type of holding to account is, is critical in moving the members' council forward to the right decision. As I said earlier, eight of these 14 members are finding themselves on the wrong side of history. We need to get a few of these eight onto the right side. And I think they will be doing both themselves and cricket and the nation at large a huge favour if they find themselves on the right side. That's the type of legacy you want to leave as a member council affiliate. You don't want to leave the wrong legacy that you've been complicit in destroying cricket in this country. You want to re- leave a right legacy, and I think that's what we keep imploring. And it's really great that, Robert, I'm, I have this privilege of speaking to you and reaching out to many listeners out there who are concerned, I have no doubt, and who are also probably uh, tired about what's been going on. So this, we should never underestimate the role of the citizenry here in anything, and it's certainly the case as well in cricket. All right, maybe just mull over this because, unfortunately, I've got to take a quick spot break, uh, uh, Doc. Uh, the consultation that you would have had uh, with Prof. Michael Kett uh, and what was his opinion about all of this that we're chatting about. So uh, just hold that thought. I want to take a quick break and we'll come back and continue. Marawa Sports Worldwide. CSA Interim Board Chairperson, Judge Zach Yakubu. We were mandated by the Minister to do all we could to clean up South African cricket. We got onto the job and we began treading on toes immediately. It is for that reason, actually, that uh, the board has decided not to appoint us because they understand now that by appointing us, it is never going to be business as usual. We're going to get in the way of what I suspect 
the many things that they are hiding. And we are going to carry on, leaving no stone unturned. Whether the administration cooperates with us or not, whether the board cooperates with us or not, we are going to do our work absolutely independently. Cricket SA's interim board chairman, Dr. Stavros Nikolaou, is my guest here tonight and uh, chatting all things to do with uh, Cricket 0605842250. That's one of the WhatsApp voice note numbers uh, that you can utilize. And somebody was saying earlier uh, that uh, maybe we overdo uh, the voice notes. What about calling? Well, let's remind you of the numbers 089 089-110-2377. Uh, those numbers again 089 089-110-2377. 89 uh, So make use of that. Uh, do engage because uh, there is a great deal uh, that we need to cover and get through here. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a really worthwhile opportunity and it is one that we, we really want to make the most of uh, with Doc. Doc, before the break, I, I did uh, check in the issue about the consultation as well. Uh, it's a very prominent governance expert uh, that you sought guidance from, Michael Katz. What was his opinion about what is currently going on? Robert, firstly, uh, as appointing um, the services of, of Professor Michael Katz and his team at ENS was, was a deliberate one. Professor Katz is the foremost governance expert in our country, and uh, he's also someone that has worked on, on constitutions for other sporting codes, including rugby. He's also someone that has got widespread international experience. So he was the perfect individual to give advice on how we structure this and achieve the Nicholson recommendations and the requirements of, of modern-day governance. Um, so it was a deliberate appointment. And, of course, it's, uh, it's disappointing that notwithstanding Professor Katz's advice, and he's been steadfast, as has the interim board, around two key principles that I keep mentioning on this call. Principle number one is a majority independent board for all the obvious reasons, non-independents are, are usually conflicted. They cannot be in the majority on any board. And Professor Katz is as steadfast on that issue as we are. Secondly, the issue of an independent chairman, chairperson of a board. That is also another well-established principle. Uh, Professor Katz is also steadfast on that second principle. So his opinion right now is that if we are to restore governance in cricket and put cricket on the correct governance pathway, then we must certainly have to implement those two principles. We've called them non-negotiables. We've uh, discussed with the Members' Council that we are open to negotiating other aspects of the Memorandum of Incorporation Amendments, but on those two we cannot deviate because that's going to take us back in time. We need to move forward. So Professor Katz's opinion, to answer your question directly, is completely and fully aligned to, to that of the board, and he's of the identical um, he's of the identical view that we cannot, in any form or shape, waver around these two key principles that I've mentioned. And and it's an important one. And and thanks for the clarity as well as expanding on that point, uh, Doc. The you know, for me, where you see. An interim board being appointed, which was last year in October, 20th of October, they get appointed. Um, 
and the mandate is up until the 31st of January 2021. Uh, and it was clear because that work had only started really mid-November because of all the squabbles and everything that was going on. So already it was starting late, uh, which means then there was going to be a need for an extension. So it was extended up until the 15th of Feb. Now, you said that it's going to be back to the minister. I understand. But what about a date set for CSA for an AGM? Has that been set yet? So, Robert, maybe just to um, to take you through the timeline, they, they're a little different to the way you've articulated them. Mm-hmm. So th- this board commenced its work on the 15th of November last year. The appointment was for a minimum three to a maximum of six months. Correct. So, so we don't have a lot of time left. Um, and, in fact, uh, we had clearly articulated to the Members' Council and the entire cricketing fraternity that we were hoping to hold an, AG, an AGM on the 17th of April. So, so that's in about 24-odd days or so time, so three and a half weeks to go. Um, of course, if we do not get agreement on the amendments to the MRI, we cannot hold an AGM, and that in itself has got consequences. So our extreme disappointment at the vote that took place on Saturday, or the vote that we were advised of on Saturday, mm-hmm. where you had eight dissenting votes, um, unfortunately creates a problem beyond just the one that we've been discussing. It creates further problems in that you cannot hold an AGM. That in itself has governance consequences. It makes your sponsors and other stakeholders very edgy. So these are some of the knock-on effects here that we need to live with now unless these eight dissenting members change their minds between now and the next few days. But are you able to knuckle down in terms of what was it uh, behind the Members' Council rejection of the CSA interim board recommendations? Because, I mean, I've got it on my authority, and, and again, you, you could always dip in and assist me here, uh, Doc. And, and, and it was simply because they were not happy that one of the independent directors would need to be a former Proteus player. Uh, there was also uh, talk that one of the independent directors will uh, come from the current CSA interim board members, and also the independent directors uh, would be an individual that has been involved in cricket at some point in time. And um, that was forming part now of why they they decided to, to vote against it. Have you got any information or whether or not that is true? Robert, what I, what I can say is if the fear is that you're going to be handing cricket over to to uh, to, to independence. Um, that, that's not true, because let's just look at the facts. The facts are we're proposing a board of 13, Michael Katz is proposing a board of 13, and various other people are. We're saying you need a simple majority of independent directors, so that's seven. So you've still got six other directors. Two of them would be made up of executives. The other four would be cricket administrators. And then there's nothing that says that you can't have a former cricket administrator, like, for example, a Dr. Ali Bacha. He's been out of the game for some time. He's not conflicted. He served a cooling-off period. He could come in as an independent. All we are saying is that you cannot have someone running cricket in KZN, for example, now also sitting on, on the board, 
of, uh, of, of cricket South Africa. Because whose interest do you put first? You put your provincial interest, you put the national interest. So this is exactly what is puzzling this board, is there's no notion here that you're going to suddenly hand the game over to people that know nothing about administration uh, and or cricket, for that matter. Because there, there will still be representation of cricket administrators on the board. But what you are most certainly doing is, if you have your majority independence, you're falling in line with what best domestic and global practice is. Let's take a couple of voice notes as well so that we, we, we bring in some different voices here, Doc. Uh, and I know that's an important part of the uh, conversation right now. So we're taking a few voice notes. Uh, we'll make a note of the questions and we'll throw it back to you. So let's listen in. Uh, hi, Rob. Sianda in Cape Town. It's just amazing what people can go through to destroy the country. Because I'm of the view, Rob, I'm using the the word destroying the country deliberately because a, a national sporting code, you know, it's a national asset. You cannot have a few number of 14 or 11 franchises, you know, a representative deciding to play a, a player and a ref, a kind of an arrangement against the corporate governance principles that they are fully aware of. Surely it must have been nice, Rob, being sitting in an ivory tower for years, managing and fiddling around cricket at their own uh, behest. Now they are not ready to, to leave the seat. This is ridiculous. Uh, hi, Rob. Sianda in Cape Town. <laughs> it, it's just amazing. What... Hi, Rob. It's the Boho here. Uh, good evening, Doc. Uh, you made mention uh, that uh, uh, you've got a, a responsibility uh, to to execute on the mandate given by the minister and do you perhaps have uh, timelines uh, in terms of uh, putting together the framework that you were talking about uh, and and because that will also be an indicator uh, uh, on how we're going to measure your, your the progress that you guys are going to make in delivering or executing on the mandate given to the board thanks rob rob this is donald from krill First of all, I would like to question the existence of this members' council because, as far as I'm concerned, there is no other sporting code that has such a structure in place. So, to me, it's rather confusing that cricket has this members' council board that has the power to even overrule the decision of the minister. So therefore, rendering the minister toothless, because what is the point of having a sporting minister who represents the interest of the entire country if there is a council's board that has the power to overrule him, obviously, uh, so that they can benefit and remain in power. So to me, that makes absolutely no sense. Donald, thank you so much indeed. I think what I'll do here, Doc, is work backwards because I, I really want to pick up on Donald's point. It's one that you would have alluded to. It is one that you said this represents South Africa. It's not even about cricket or the cricket world. This is about the country as a whole, 60-odd million South Africans that are out there. And what Donald is asking is really what the existence of the Members' Council uh, says such a structure that has all of this power, maybe too much power, uh, that is vested in them that they can overrule a minister whose interests are bigger than just a committee of people. 
How is it that we've gotten to where we are? And can it be broken down? Okay, we're going to try to get uh, Doug back on the line again. Um, like you said, they, they've been called into an emergency uh, webinar as well. So I think he's balancing chatting to us, balancing chatting to Bill Gates on the other side because uh, he's a very key man when it comes to uh, the issues around uh, vaccination in South Africa. He holds a very, very important position uh, within Pfizer. Um, so, yeah, so do... Excuse us, we might go through a couple of bumps, but the thing is, yeah, his, his balancing is playing a very good juggling act right now. Uh, we're just um, honored that he's given us a little bit of time. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Marawa Sports Worldwide. CSA Interim Board Chairperson, Judge Zach Yakubu. We are for justice. We are not for technicalities. And we want the public and the players to know that we will do all we can to fix it as long as the ministerial mandate remains. The administration refuses to talk to the board because they are in the hands of the members' council. We've been appointed as an independent board by the minister and we are going to work independently. We are not going to be told by the members' council what to do. We're not going to be told by the executive what to do. We're not going to be told by the minister what to do. Hashtag NSW. Dr. Nicolau is back on the line. We lost him a short while ago, but I think he is back. Uh, Doc, just a quick one that uh, Donald was chatting about, saying the existence of the Members' Council, uh, saying that such a structure has got the power to overrule uh, even a minister who has the right as well as the privilege of taking care uh, of the interests of the country. How is it that this structure continues to exist? Robert, firstly, apologies for... uh the line dropping there for a few minutes. No problem. Um, This goes to the the core and the heart of what we've been discussing this evening. Mm. Members um, can hold an entire country to to ransom. Now, that in itself has to be poor governance, if you just look at it on that basis. And and that really goes, it speaks to the heart of what we're trying to solve here. So what, what are we trying to solve we are trying to set cricket on on an appropriate and suitable governance framework. That means you have to, unfortunately, shake up the foundations. If you want a solid foundation for the future, this is precisely what you need to shake up. Uh, when you start shaking the foundations, there are naturally going to be people that want to cling on forever. Now, for me, the mark of a true leader is those, those people who say, but, you know, I have got something to lose. I do stand to lose something. But let me look at the bigger picture here. The bigger picture is that I need to be part of, and I keep saying this, that I need to be part of the right, not the wrong side of history. So I need to look at the bigger picture here, even if it means I'm going to sacrifice some of my own self-interest, some of the powers that I've got, because I'm acting in the, be- in the best interest of the bigger picture. And this is a difficulty we're having with these eight members now, unfortunately. And I think they've got an opportunity. we got Professor Katz to speak to the entire members' council. Uh, we shouldn't lose sight that there are five members that are on the right side of history right now. So those five affiliates have demonstrated sound leadership because they've put the interest of the game of cricketers 
of the citizenry. They've put that ahead of their own personal interests. That's a mark of a good leader. And we've been through these situations in our country before, in politics, in business, in sport. We've been through these things before. So I think what we need here is we need to see the mark of true leaders that are going to leave a proper legacy behind. And that proper legacy is to be part of building a sound foundation, starting with governance. You know, everything starts with governance. How the world perceives us, how sponsors perceive us, how other stakeholders perceive us, how the public, how government, all the many, many stakeholders that constitute the ecosystem of cricket, they they will take immense comfort if we set cricket on an appropriate and suitable governance pathway. And the, this board, for its remaining three-and-a-half-odd weeks, uh, Peter, will not rest until we get to that point. We are mm. resilient. We're determined to do it. We are going to require assistance from the minister, however. But we will continue playing our role if it means trying to convince these eight members. We will do so. And I think we've been in this situation, these type of situations before in our country. And I think eventually people do see what is the right side of history. And I'm hoping this will be another instance yet again where South Africans, when we're backed up in a corner, we come out and we do the right thing. So we are asking those eight members to do the right thing, modernize cricket, restore our credibility and reputation and our international standing. And as you say all of these things, Doc, I'm, I'm just reminded with the, I mean, there's a thought that comes to mind, and um, anybody can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong here, but as far as I know, it's only four unions, four unions that are financially viable and have got substantial reserves. I mean, all the others are, are simply dependent solely on Cricket SA. So th- that alone, for me, shows that they themselves are in need of help. Robert, you're quite, you're quite correct. And, and this is, again, going to the heart of, of what we're saying. Nicholson's recommendations have been known since 2013. All, all of these affiliates are well acquainted with what Nicholson sets out and what Nicholson requires. And we've been through a litany of attempts to negotiate on, on a final outcome that would embrace what Nicholson is saying. But the minute you start compromising on certain things, like if you start compromising on an independent board, an independent majority board, and say, well, we want an equal independent and non-independent, all you're having is a shaky foundation. And a shaky foundation is going to collapse at some point in time. So we're not even entertaining that conversation as a board. We are absolutely, it's like one of those read-my-lips situations. We will not budge an inch on a majority independent board because it is the right thing to do. It's right morally, it's right commercially, it's it's right in every way possible. It's right at a governance level. So to have, as you say, a members' council, many of who are on extreme shaky financial ground, saying, but, you know, let's try and find a compromise and let's look back We're not interested in looking back. We have to look forward here because looking backwards over the last eight or nine years, look where it's got us. It's got the game deeper and deeper into dysfunctionality. And as you say, many of of these affiliates 
are either on the brink of being technically insolvent or are in extreme financial distress. So if your track record is not good and you've been trying to do the same thing for the last eight or nine years, you can only expect the same result if you endure with doing what you've done for eight to nine years. So those five affiliates that are doing the right thing now, they, they've seen the light and they really need to be commended. I cannot commend them enough because they're being selfless here in the decisions they're taking. They've said that we cannot continue trying the same thing and getting a different result. It's not going to work. You can, I can try it for another nine years and another three ministers, uh, Robert, as you put it, we'll run out of ministers eventually. That's not going to get you a different result. We need to bite the bullet now, and we need to think big picture, what's best for cricket, what's best for the nation, and that means forget the dismal track record that you've had over the last eight years in trying to resolve this thing. It's not going to work. Move on to a new page and a new era. All right, before I get to Debocho, as well as what Siander said on the voice note, let me keep this thought pattern going because it, it leads me to something else here, Doc. Where, with all of these shenanigans that keep happening as far as admin of cricket is concerned, there is administration and appointments that are going on on the sidelines that bypass certain procedures. And what comes to mind for me For example, the appointment of the director of coaching as well as the coach were both seen to be irregular and they were just allowed to happen. I don't know what your stance is as the independent board regarding that and I'm sure you've, um, you've had wind of the irregular nature of the appointment of those two. Okay, Robert, uh, let me... Let me say again that this interim board is, should I say, obsessed with with proper and appropriate governance. There, there are many things that we've been presented with as a board. Um, I think all your or most of your your listeners will know that um, there was a forensic investigation into cricket, the so-called Fidunzi report. Um, that exposed many, many uh, governance failures um, and even some malfeasance in the organisation, right? So we have worked systematically and methodically in, in considering all of these. So anything that was an irregular appointment or any other irregular accounting and or any other aspect, we, we, have, uh, we have gone into the detail of that. And we've already taken action in many, many instances. We have not found anything as a board that relates to an irregular appointment of the head of cricket or the head coach. Okay, if, if, uh, if anything can be found around that, this interim board, as it has in all the other instances, will, will certainly investigate that. Hmm. But I do want to give assurance that we've taken the Fidunzi report very seriously. You would have seen in the media there have been many disciplinary processes that have commenced. Some have been concluded, some are in process. And, of course, when we end our term of office, Robert, um, we will make public our report on the nine points that constituted our mandate. One of those nine points is around the area that I'm just discussing, 
which is to have looked into any irregularities and or malfeasance in cricket. If I present to you, uh, Doc, and say that there was no advertising um, of the coaching position, there was no interviews that were held, and uh, as everybody knows that with all of the executive positions require board approval, and there was no board approval for both of these appointments. So, Robert, all, all I can say is, look, these appointments were made before this board was constituted. As, as you know, we've, you mentioned we've been in existence since the 15th of November. Right. If anyone can bring any information, to it, we'll certainly investigate it. Okay. All right. Another quick um, spot break, and then we hit the final straight in terms of our conversation. Fascinating for all it's worth, but your participation equally important. They faced the tough questions and respected their fans. All 16 teams invited. Thursdays on Radio 2000, simulcast on Metro FM. All right, um, the final straight uh, chatting as well to Doc regarding issues to do with cricket and where we are, as well as the interim board, what's happening with the members' council, what's basically happening, as what was it Debojo who said on the voice note, um, what are the timelines uh, for the framework uh, to measure the progress. We might have touched on this, maybe just a, a quick one. You don't have to elaborate for too long, uh, but I think uh, just to put in the minds of the listeners uh, the, the, the timelines for that time frame to, uh, to measure the progress. Robert, uh, we were appointed for a period of a minimum of three to a maximum of six months. The, this interim board is hoping to complete its work within five months, which takes us to around the 17th of April, uh, remembering that we started our work on the 15th of November. So, that, so that's about five months. Um, of course, there is this one, uh, you know, what, what we would call one showstopper issue, which is the issue of a majority independent board. Um, we hope to conclude on that matter as well. If not, we will still be pre- presenting a report on the progress that we've made, which in many areas has been significant in respect of the nine-point mandate that we received, and we will do so on the 17th of April. Tw- right. 2021, Robert, not, not like what's happened in the past week. I hope so. And, and we'll be watching, Doc. I mean, you know, you know this. Um, I'm glad you're at the helm because um, we can always reach you, and you've always been somebody who is reachable regardless of whatever the work is. Paul on Twitter was saying that why then involve the old administrators in the new proposed structure as they were part of the structure before? Uh, you made mention of Dr. Ali Bacha earlier, and I know that people have been vehemently against the doc. They've been against Harun Logard, etc. Uh, so why would you want to bring those individuals back in the mix? So, Robert, I was merely using Dr. Bacha as an example of someone that was involved previously. I'm not suggesting he comes in or I'm not uh, in any way motivating for him to come in because there'll be a process that, uh, that's involved to take us into the appointment of both uh, in the independent and non-independent directors. I was just merely using a, a well-known name in cricket to illustrate the point. And the point is that if there's a concern, which has been raised with us by the Members' Council, that you're going to be top-heavy with uh, non-cricket administrators, 
I, I'm saying that's not the truth because you will you will have IPSO factor automatically for uh, non-independents. These are cricket administrators. And then there's nothing to say that the seven independents cannot be made up in part of, of previous administrators. As long as they are now independent, they're not conflicted, and they've served a cooling-off period. Because that's all that governance requires of you. You know what frustrates me again, Doc, about all of these administration issues is that I don't know what's happening with the plight of the suspended um, secretary, the company secretary, Walsh Kwaza. I don't know what's the plight of a suspended acting CEO, Kongari Govinda. I don't know what the Tabangmore issue, where that is going to be ending. I mean, the list goes on and on. You go on, and then there's suspensions, and then it, it falls back. Uh, others, they, there's a hearing for others. There's a DC. What's your take on, on all of these, and, and what's the right way of concluding with these outstanding issues? Robert, firstly, we, we, find in our, we find ourselves in this situation precisely because we haven't had the proper governance structures. And that's what we're trying to prevent from happening in future. And that's why we're insisting on an independent majority board so you don't get all these other scandalous things that have happened in cricket in the past. So I think you, you are spot on when you say, well, there's a whole, it, it sounded like a list, or like a litany of, uh, of discipline issues there that you've just raised. Okay. So it's precisely for this reason that we've got to get a proper governance pathway and framework for cricket. That's the first thing. The second thing is, in respect to the now suspended company secretary and others that you've mentioned, mm. uh, there, there are uh, disciplinary processes in play. We are determined to complete all of those. There have been other disciplinary matters that we've had to that we've inherited as an interim board. We've dealt with some of those. Some are still outstanding, but we are committed to completing them or at least taking them. Uh, to a position where um, there's there's some some type of conclusion in the horizon before we depart. So I think we're giving that assurance that we are following uh, fair, reasonable, independent, and objective labour practice in addressing all of these matters, disciplinary matters, including those areas and aspects that came up in the Fiduci report. If I should try and play devil's advocate again. And I'm looking at what might the members' council be fearing. And at times you, you look at the landscape. And, and the issue of trust, Doc, can never, ever be left out. So if you've gone through what South Africa has gone through, and remember, South Africa has not won a Cricket World Cup to date. We've come close, but we've never won a Cricket World Cup to date. And I have said very facetiously on this show, and maybe again, I don't, I don't even know what kind of comment that is. But I'd always stress the fact that as long as proper transformation is not part and parcel of cricket, we won't win that Cricket World Cup, regardless of whoever says what. We've got a great crop of cricketers right now and who have individually and also collectively shown their mettle, whether bowling or batting, we've been able to see that. Now, with transformation having taken center stage and you look at the black players that are in that Proteus team, there is always that strong sense of distrust to say, what if, in terms of cricket management, 
the white leadership comes back, almost reverses the gains that have been made and transformation on the field of play, then we're back to square one because there have been drastic transformational steps that have been taken. Robert, I, th- I think those concerns are, are legitimate. So I don't even think you're playing devil's advocate here. I think you are, are being realistic. But I think, again, the assurance I want to give is that this is exactly why we need a majority of independence. Because if there is suspicion or mistrust around previous administrators, um, this is precisely why we need a majority independent board. Because, uh, you know, this interim board that I chair and my colleagues, it's not really about me chair, it's it's very much a team effort here, the current interim board. Um, We we have recognized the failings in transformation. Uh, It's one of our nine points to the mandate that the minister presented to us that I spoke about earlier. And of course, when we complete our report, um, there are significant recommendations and continuation of work that we will be advancing in that report. So I'm going to respond in two ways. I'm going to say, firstly, transformation must continue being a priority in cricket and in many other areas of society, incidentally, not just cricket, but Let me confine it to cricket for tonight. And then secondly, that I think the best way to effect uh, a a proper transformation in any sporting code is if you have a majority of independence because then the nation starts owning the sporting code. It's, It's not left up to a few administrators only. At the end of the day, we I keep saying on this program, Robert, Kicket is a lot bigger than just a game in our country and internationally. So at the end of the day, who we must be accountable um, is the public and the nation at large. And I think you're better going to achieve that, including transformation, if you embrace modern governance, which is what we're trying to do here. Awande Masego says on Twitter, the issues surrounding Boucher and Smith are all over the media and public discourse. Even the old chairman uh, uh, attested to it on your show, um, saying that how does your guest not know about such? Uh, but I think you, you've, you've held your own in terms of that, and you said that uh, you will look into it. We will look into you looking into it then, Doc, uh, and we do hope that next time we do have a conversation, uh, all of those issues are addressed because there was a major, major flouting in terms of the appointments uh, of those two gentlemen. But I want to thank you so much. A busy evening it has been for you. I hope you succeed both on the vaccination side and also on the cricketing side. And um, best of luck, Doc, and thank you so much indeed for the privilege of chatting to you. Robert, thank you so much. The privilege has been mine, and uh, thanks to you and your listeners. And I hope next time I'm invited on the show, we'll talk about the successes of the players on the field and less about the administrators and board members. Thanks I very hope much. so too. I hope so too. Thanks so much, Doc. That's CSA Interim Board Chairman Dr. Stavros uh, Nikolaou, uh, who's been my guest right here on Marawa Sports Worldwide. Highly engaging, and at the same time, as we said, we've been keeping an eye on what's been going on at the FNB Stadium.